Hello, my name is Joe Rodriguez, and you're listening to Get the Money Right with Todd Butzer. Todd has decades of experience in giving real estate agents the training and resources they need to get their finances on track. In this episode, Todd will be interviewing Ashley Skillman, a certified financial planner, about investing and financial planning. And now, here's Todd. All right. Thanks, Joe. And welcome, everybody, to Episode 7 of Get the Money Right. You know, back in, I think it was Episode 3, we were talking about building your financial team and who needs to be on that team. And one of the people we suggested that you get on your financial team was a financial planner. And we also said during that episode that in a future podcast, we would bring on a financial planner to to kind of give us some oversights and some ideas and lend some expertise into the whole concept of planning for our futures. Uh, and so I'm really, really excited to welcome our, our second guest ever on Get the Money Right. Uh, please welcome Ashley Skillman. Ashley, thanks for being here. Thanks so much for having me. I really am excited for this. Yeah, we're excited about it too. So uh, first off, for everyone listening, Ashley is not here. And you hear me say this every episode, folks, she's not here to give you financial advice. This is not financial advice coming from Get the Money Right or from Todd or from Joe or from Ashley. Uh, so we're going we're gonna to advise you to seek your own professional tax, legal, and investing advice. Ashley's here to lend some expertise and give us some ideas on questions we can ask when we start moving toward this uh, for our future. All right, so Ashley, let's start with this. Uh, what got you into financial planning? Well, I went to school to be a financial analyst and I knew I loved numbers. I loved research. I loved that the markets were ever changing, but quickly realized I could not be behind a computer all day. Someone suggested that I uh, take an internship in financial planning and give it a shot. And I kind of loved the fact that I got to pair both working with clients and each of their situations and goals and what they were working for with markets and numbers and analytics. And it was kind of the perfect payer for me. And I, after that internship, I just, it just kind of stuck. And so this has been your entire career. You've done this your entire professional life, correct? My entire professional career. So I did an internship and then I went right into working at the same company and I've been there for nine years since. Oh, that's awesome. Well, we're excited to hear your thoughts today. So Ashley, and you and I've talked a little bit about this prior to the episode, but, uh, the the real estate industry, being entrepreneurial, uh, independent contractors, these are wonderfully creative, smart, gifted uh, business people. But we but we have a challenge in the industry, and the challenge is, and and it's people I, you know, bump into often, where they're really good at at grossing revenue and really good at selling, but this part of their lives seems to be. Um, off. And, and it, the reason I say that is because I simply ask them, I'll say, how are you set up for your future? Or how are you set up for retirement? Or what are you, what are you doing to set money aside? And the overwhelming answer is kind of about a myth we talked about in episode two, which is I'll kind of, I'm thinking I'll get to it later. Okay. So with, with that in mind, what are some of the common you know, mistakes might be too strong a word, but what are some of the common challenges people have when considering their financial future? Well, it's interesting that you say that because number one, it's not just the real estate market, but it is a big thing in general of people 
you just, people don't want to plan for their future. They want to plan for the here and now. I'd say the first mistake, if we're going to call it a mistake, um, is they don't start early enough. Exactly what you're saying, saying, I will worry about when I'm older, when I have a better job, when I make more money, when I have the next big sale. That's when people just try to, they don't want to think about it now. So they just say in the future, when that event happens is when I'm going to start. But really what we find in general is compound interest of starting early, even if it's just a little, makes such a huge difference for your future. If you start at 25, 35, and 45, and just what a huge, huge impact by just putting a little bit of money away each year can make for a financial future. You know, Ashley, what you just said made me recall an example, and you can you can shed light on this if it's accurate or if, it, if it's not, but... I think the example was this. If a 20-year-old put $2,000 away into a, into a retirement account every, every year for 10 years and then stopped, and then I think a 30-year-old started you know, at 30 and put 2000 a year for the rest of their lives, they would never catch up to the 20-year-old. Is, is that in, am I in the ballpark? Exactly. The example I was going to give was if you start at 25, putting $5,000 away, earning 8%, you'd end up with nearly $1.3 million at 65. Or if you started that 10 years later at 35, still putting $5,000 away annually, you'd end up with $566,000 at 65. So even though you're putting $50,000 away more, you're still making over $600,000 of a difference. Interesting. Okay. So, all right. So let's just cut to it. I waited too long. So, you know, so, uh, right. So if, if I'm, uh, if I'm one of those, and I don't mean me necessarily, but what I'm talking about is I'm a listener and I'm thinking, okay, well, she just said I should have started young and I'm, I'm not uh, by any means that, that 20 year old anymore. What, what thoughts would you have for us? My thoughts is start as soon as you can. Make sure you do pay yourself first and make sure that, well, first and foremost, you want to make sure that you're paying off liabilities first. I know you've talked about in previous episodes of how paying interest on credit cards or to the IRS, if you're late on your taxes, how behind you can get because you're paying penalties and interest. And in the stock market, you never can count on a 16 to 20% rate of return, which essentially is what you're getting by paying off those credit cards early. So that would be really the first and foremost thing that you want to do is make it a priority to pay down any consumer or credit card liabilities. Okay, so take care of that first before I start uh, parsing my money, so to speak. And, and I think that's great because I think a lot of us might say, well, I want to get something going, but yet I'm, I'm carrying this massive amount of consumer debt uh, uh, or I'm late with the IRS and paying interest and penalties there. So let's get that taken care of first is, is what you would, you would tell us to at least look at. Absolutely. I mean, there are some great years in the stock market. Then there's years like there's th- th- this year. So you want to make sure if you can pay off your credit card and say, I'm going to guarantee myself a 16 to 20% rate of return. There's no good financial advisor that will ever use the word guarantee. You're not allowed to use the word guarantee, sure. but let alone say that they can average a 16 to 20% rate of return. That's unheard of. Yes. Got it. Okay. So if, if I feel, so I kind of asked you this already, but if I feel behind in this area and let's say that I've, I've committed now to getting my, my credit card 
uh, my consumer debt down and and get my affairs in order regarding the IRS and so on. And I've got a pretty good handle on that. Now, what do I do? Then you look to open up a retirement account. There's all sorts of different retirement accounts that you'll want to consider. It comes from, you go down taxability-wise, and I think we'll talk about this in more detail later in the episode, but you'll want to open up a retirement account to start saving and investing. There is a difference between saving and investing. Savings into a saving or checking account, it just sits there. Of course, that's important for having a cash reserve, but you are losing to inflation every single year. So getting those dollars invested and working for you for your retirement is the next the next thing that you would want to work on and make a priority and putting as much money as you can towards those accounts. Okay. So what if I I've have taken care of my consumer debt, my IRS, all that, and uh, I, I'm ready to open one of these, but I always find myself really tight financially. So I'm thinking, I don't know where I'm going to find the money to even start putting some away in this, even if I've got my other garbage, if you will, uh, taken care of, what, what thoughts would you have? It sounds pretty cliche, but just create a plan, write it down, look at your inflows versus your outflows. And by having a plan written down, it keeps you accountable, share it with your spouse or your significant others, or someone that will, will hold you accountable and look at it often by looking at it often will keep you on track. And when you're looking at your cash flow, you're going to look at what your inflows are and what your outflows are and see what you can cut out. Me personally, I try not to have any monthly subscriptions because it's something that you're going to be liable for every single month. And so I've made sure I've gone through my own personal budget and I've cut out anything that I know that I have to pay every single month. I think that's one of the most brilliant marketing plays in the world is the subscription play. I talked about it yesterday in a class that I taught where if you subscribe to something for $3.99 a month and next month it goes to $4.99, nobody cares except it went up three, 33%. And we don't, we don't even notice it. And, and we all know who these, who these uh, uh, subscription services are, but that's great advice. All right, so- Yeah, um, and all of a sudden you have five, 10, 15 of them. It adds up on your monthly budget and it really cuts into it. It, it absolutely does. Thank you for that. All right, so as independent contractors, uh, and, and, and small business owners, there, are, there is a plethora that I've at least looked into uh, of different vehicles that they could utilize. For example, there are solo 401ks, and you're familiar with all these. I don't need to tell you these. And SEPs and so on. How do I sort through that? What, what, what steps would you, would you offer there? This would be a situation where you... Having a financial professional will be helpful to be able to look at your personal situation because you're going to look at things of how is your company set up? I know you talked with your CPA about, are you an LLC? Are you a sole proprietorship? Those, it's going to matter how your company is set up or what, what 401k or what retirement account is going to make sense for you. You also will take into account if you have any employees that are working under you, because then you'll have to say, okay, if we're going to open up this certain account, we might have to make contributions for the employees on their behalf as well, which is going to, of course, cut into cash flow and revenue. You'll want to look at things such as your current income and contribution limits. There'll be things such as pre-tax or post-tax of the taxability in the current year that comes with that. 
there are benefits to both. There's, if you do things that are pre-tax and put your dollars away, of course it grows tax-free and you don't pay taxes this year, it's gonna be a benefit in the year that you do that. Or if you put dollars away post-tax, you don't get the benefit this year, but you'll surely get the benefit when you are retired and those dollars have grown tax-free until you need to take those dollars out. There's also gonna okay. be, yeah, just catch-up provisions. There's all sorts of different things to consider when you're looking at those investment vehicles. And it really does come down to what your current situation is and every client or every person is different. So I think what, and I love what you said there. And I think that uh, there's an underlying tone here, folks. There, there are a lot of vehicles available and, uh, and the government will help <laughs> in terms of, of, uh, of how you save your money. So, and invest your money. So Early on, I don't know if we announced it with you, but you are you are what is termed a CFP or certified financial planner. And folks, we're not suggesting everybody has to go get a certified financial planner, but I thought it would be interesting to learn what that is versus versus a financial planner that I might just meet in my day-to-day life. So what is a CFP? CFP stands for the Certified Financial Planner. And according to the CFP board, for more than 30 years, Certified financial planner certification has been the standard of excellence within financial planners. CFP planners have met extensive training and experience requirements and commit to their ethical standards that require us to put the client's best interest first. So essentially, that's a lot of words to say a CFP has to be a fiduciary, where a fiduciary must put the client's interest first and foremost at every point within their relationship. And if a financial planner is not a fiduciary, that just means they're held to a different standard of they can do no harm. It means they don't have to necessarily put the client's best interest first and foremost. They just can't do something that's going to hurt the client or not be helpful to the client. But one thing too to note is that a financial advisor can be a fiduciary without being a CFP. Got it. So if you have a financial planner, folks, and it's been a great relationship up till now and, and you're getting good results. Uh, continue that. That's not, we're not, we're not trying to insert into that. I just wanted a description of what a CFP is. What traits do you see, Ashley, amongst those that have a good handle on it? What, what do they have in common? People that are really good at, at, uh, you know, securing their future. And incidentally, I'll just add this real quick, folks. This doesn't mean you're making millions of dollars a year in income. It, It simply means you're, you, you have a, a plan and you're sticking with your plan. So, and it could be any amounts of income that, uh, you know, at any level uh, economically. So Ashley, what, what do they have in common, the, the, the strong planners? The first quality that strong planners have in common is they spend less than they make and invest the difference. I know I talked about that earlier. Of There's a difference between saving and investing. If you're putting dollars just in a savings account, which is important for your cash reserve, but you're losing to inflation. And again, this year especially, that means that you're losing to inflation significantly. But if you're investing the difference, then you will have those dollars grow for you for your future. I think the next thing for what makes people successful is that they have a plan and they stay the course. They're not trying to market time because there's going to be times that you don't want to stay according to the plan. You want to go buy that bigger purchase or you do want to pull dollars out because your investments aren't going the way that you want them to. But to stick to the plan, and it's a long-term plan, is key. 
You know, I think you and I had a had a conversation a while back when the market took a particularly volatile day, one one of those massive thousand point drops that it has had recently, and you had made the comment to me that that virtually none of your clients called in saying, you know, hey, I'm freaking out, uh, and you were you were happy about that that they're they're just meant their mentality is I'm just going to stay the course. Absolutely. We've talked over and over again and having a true financial advisor, it's all about, you have to look at your investments as when will you need those dollars? There's a time horizon. And if you're not going to need those dollars, when you see those big drops, you just don't look at your accounts because you know that you're not going to need to access those dollars for many years down the road. And if you do need, if you have a shorter time horizon, then you have more conservative investments that aren't going to be impacted by that. So it truly comes down to, to having a smart place to take your money from based off your time horizon, if you actually are pulling dollars out of your portfolio. Okay. So I have got a handle on my expenditures. Uh, I, I'm spending less than I'm taking in. I've got my long-term debt down or my consumer credit card uh, debt down and things like that. So I, I'm, I'm pretty well set up there. But frankly, I, I haven't done any of this because I don't know anything about markets. I don't know anything about mutual funds. I don't know anything about ETFs or options or any of this stuff. And so what I'm doing is I'm just kind of turning a blind eye to it. Do you, do you find that is a somewhat common event? Absolutely. It's an industry that there is so much risk and so much emotion because it's your own money tied up into it. Then instead of looking into it, or trusting someone else. Because when we're talking about the CFP and a fiduciary, it really comes down to, do you trust your financial advisor? Because it has to be a good fit and there has to be trust involved more than any designations. That is truly what a financial, a good financial planning relationship looks like. And if, if you have everything in place and you're not, you're nervous about investing, of course, you're going to be worried if you don't have someone that you trust to teach you the cost, the pros, the cons, the risks, all those things when it comes to investing. It really is it's an industry with a lot of jargon and a lot of words that people don't necessarily understand. So it's up to the, the financial advisor to really educate, to make sure people understand what they're doing with their money and the risks, the rewards that come with it and costs, quite, quite frankly. Okay. That's great. So how do I, how do I, is there a simple kind of rule of thumb to calculate what I'm going to need to retire on? Is there something simple for this or is it? Todd, that is the number one question we get from even our own clients. Everyone wants to know what that magic goose egg is that you need right. to have for retirement. But unfortunately, there's no magic number. Sure. It really comes down to how much you want to spend in retirement what your goals are for retirement and a lot for certain people, what the legacy you want to leave behind when you pass away. So I wish I could just, I wish I had a magic number to say, this is how much you need to put away in order to make sure you're going to be okay. But since every person's unique is unique and different of what their goals and desires of, that's where having a plan in place really helps you. I can tell you that generally they say, if you have a nest egg and if you can live off of 4% of that nest egg, then you should never run out of money. Yes. I, yep. I've heard that number before. What you highlighted there, Ashley, uh, so beautifully is that, look, everybody's needs are different. Everybody's spending um, uh, habits are different. Their legacy wishes are different. And so this is, this is why we need 
our local expertise help to guide us in these particular areas? We're kind of nearing the end here of our conversation with Ashley, but if, if I'm already on a pretty good track, I think, if I feel like I'm hitting my, my goals, what, 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 what are your thoughts? You know, when I was listening to your earlier podcast, I, something stuck out to me that fit beautifully with this question. You had said, um, when you were building a financial team, you oftentimes hear, it's just me. I don't have a real estate team. I'm just getting started. Why can't I just do this on my own? But then that real estate agent will get in their car and they're going to go try to convince someone who is selling their house uh, for sale by owner that they shouldn't right. do it on their own. Right, right. I think that parallels it perfectly. Essentially, people who sell their house by for sale by owner probably could know the basics of selling and probably could do it on their own, but they don't know what they don't know. And who that opens you to a whole different world of, I don't know your industry very well, but I'm sure there's troubles that come along with that. Yeah, right. I think it's the same thing as it's beneficial to work with a professional to help you be prepared. We're not ever predicting the future. A lot of times people do get financial advisors. They think you're predicting the future and you're finding the best next hot stock. That's what they think financial advisors are, but you're really, you are, you're not predicting the future, but you're preparing for the future for the certainty of uncertain is what is we commonly say in our industry, because we know there's going to be uncertain events in this industry, you can't tell when someone's going to have a life event, such a passing away of a spouse or a disability or the uncertain markets. There's all sorts of uncertain topics that come up, but it's really when you're working with a professional to prepare you for those things, they've much, there's a much less likelihood that's going to disrupt your overall financial plan. All right. So Ashley, it's been just great having you on today. And I think if we could kind of put a rivet around this folks, if if you're if you're behind, get get started. Get the long term debt down and the and the consumer debt down. Uh, you're going to be okay. But let's take some action. If you're if you're behind on this, let's get some action going, and find good local, competent, trustworthy help in this regard, and trust that they're gonna they're gonna help uh, take care of you. And we we do wish you all the best. We hope you get started in this uh, right away. Ashley, thanks for being with us. We're so glad you could join us. You, you gave us a lot to think about today. Thank you so much. I really appreciated it. That concludes this episode of Get the Money Right. To stay up to date on the latest and get the money right, follow us on social media and be sure to subscribe on your podcast platform of choice. If you want to support the show, please leave a five-star review and share with your friends. If you are a real estate agent who is getting their money right, and want to be a guest on the show, please submit all inquiries to getthemoneyright.podcast at gmail.com. Links to everything we discussed today in the episode description. Thank you for listening and have a wonderful day.